This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. From Los Angeles, California, I'm Lovan Roof, and this is the Low Life Podcast. <laughs> Did you, you guys catch that? Do you know who I'm trying to like imitate right now? I'm over here being the New York Times Daily, Michael Barbaro. <laughs> so um, I just listened to his podcast. It's fresh on the brain. One of my friends recommended it, but the New York Times Daily podcast, they cover like current events, issues, pretty much everything covered in the New York Times. This is the podcast version. But the host, I love him. No shade to the host. I'm not making fun of him. I actually love his voice. And I think he does a phenomenal job as a host. His name is Michael Barbaro. And everything he says definitely has a dramatic pause to understand what's going on in America with the New York Times. So anyway, this is him. This is who I was imitating. If you're not familiar with the podcast, you should check it out. It's pretty good. From the New York Times, I'm Michael Barbaro. This is a daily. Amazing. So, so yeah, that's Michael Barbaro. Uh, I hope you guys are having a good day. The sun is shining. The birds are a chirping. Colton Underwood is gay. And uh, yeah, that's the headline news today. Colton Underwood is gay in the US of A. I guess I would consider Colton Underwood a friend. The last time I saw him, I was at dinner with him, Caitlin, Jason, and Cassie. Um, yeah, and we had, I was the fifth wheel. And we were doing dinner here in L.A. And I got to know him there. And we talked since. So we follow each other on the gram. Actually, Colton Underwood would be such a good guest on the podcast. <gasps> I wonder if he would do it, though. I mean, we DM each other once in a while. But I'm going to slide into his DMs and ask if he'll come on the show. Maybe if you guys reach out to and be like, hey, you should go on the Low Life Podcast. <laughs> Maybe that would give him a little extra push to get on the show. Because he just came out as gay. Good for him. That's hard to do and you know more power to the guy for living his truth love that at any stage in the game like whatever age you are if you're able to live your truth it's a beautiful thing i know he has a little bit of a rocky past you know with the whole like cassie stuff and there was like restraining order and it got complicated and yeah that part was weird but aside from that just talking on him coming out of the closet which hopefully one day that doesn't even need to be a thing a coming out of the freaking closet I hope it could just be like, yeah, Colton Underwood is gay and I like freaking mint and chip ice cream. You know, like a lot of people don't have to come out and say like, I love dick. You know, I'm, you know, a straight female. I'm coming out as a straight female or I'm coming out as a heterosexual male. Like, I just wish people didn't have to actually come out of any closet because there shouldn't be a closet is what my point is. But but there is still a closet right now. And I understand, you know, but we're making strides. Uh, forward. And I'm happy that this guy is living his truth. And hopefully he can come on this podcast because he'd be an amazing guest. Hit him up. Slide into Colton's DMs. Low lifers come through. Let's get that man on the show. I hope you guys are having a good week so far. A great day. If you're not, don't worry, boo-boo. We got you covered with a great show. I will say I didn't really sleep last night. was restless. I was feeling overwhelmed. I didn't brain drain everything like I usually do. So I went to bed just feeling like kind of anxious and stressed and uh, I woke up like in a bad mood. Like I had no reason to be pissed off this morning. Like everything is like okay in my life. I'm healthy, but I'm pissed. <laughs> like what the hell? I'm in a bad mood for absolutely no reason. Um, I just was cranky. I decided to take a, a little bit extra time in my shower, really take care. 
I went in with the cleanser, the body wash, a little bit of a salt scrub. I have like this deep pore, like clay type uh, face wash that I use that I only use if I take extra time in the shower. Uh, Let's not underestimate the power of a shower. I came out of that shower, one, needing a nap. I was like, oh, this is so relaxing, but I have to work. Uh, But I just didn't feel as stressed. And I don't know if, if ever I'm feeling like overwhelmed or things just feel heavy in my life. I'll take a freaking shower and it's like I wash away some of my stress. I don't know if that's just way too granola in what I just said, but it's true how I feel. Like that's why at night I like to take a shower. It really helps me like unwind and and I am down for a power shower any time of the day. If you're feeling stressed, let me put it to the test. If you're feeling like sad or stressed, you're just like overwhelmed, go take a shower like right now. Just go Hop in that shower, put on some music, get in the shower and enjoy yourself. Also, when it comes to showers, this is something I never did, but my friend recommended it. And I was like, what the hell? Showering with the lights off. I know it it actually freaked me out. I'm like, I'm not about to shower in darkness, you psychopath. He goes, trust me, Lo, you're going to love it. I was I stayed at his house and then he goes, take a shower and here I'll I'll get the bathroom set up for you. He lit like candles, turn the lights off. He's like, have a good shower. It actually was so relaxing. I felt like I was in a spa. It was really nice. It wasn't pitch black because I had a couple candles going, but nighttime showers in somewhat darkness, candle lit. It's a freaking vibe. And if you put on like some spa music, welcome to like escaping to another world. Mm, Love it. All right. So I want to get into today's guest. I love getting different perspectives, as you guys know, on all aspects of life, whether it be religion or politics or matters of the heart. I always want to hear different perspectives because I feel like the more perspective and different opinions that you hear about life, it really seasons you for who you are in life. It just offers a little bit more spice, if you will. So today we're going to add a little spice to the mix because I'm sitting down with a self-proclaimed breakup expert, modern day Carrie Bradshaw, Miss Amy Chan. So we're going to talk about breakups and finding yourself, some great dating advice, picking yourself up after a breakup, because I know they can be tough. And we're going to touch on her experience as an Asian American female in New York City during a really weird time to be alive in America. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode with Amy Chan. Today, we have a very special guest speaker, author, entrepreneur, and self-proclaimed Heart Hacker. She has over 15 years of experience in marketing, public relations, and communications before she decided to start her own company. Now she's the founder of Renew Breakup Bootcamp. So it's an all-women's retreat that takes a scientific and spiritual approach to healing the heart. She's also the editor-in-chief of the Heart Hackers Club. Oh, I've read the Heart Hackers Club. It's an online magazine. It focuses on the psychology behind love, lust, and desire. Her company has been featured across major media outlets. She's been on Good Morning America. You've seen her featured in Vogue, Glamour, Nightline, and she's casually made it to the front page of the New York freaking (laughs) Times. Damn. Her book, Breakup Bootcamp, The Science of Rewiring Your Heart, it's available online on Amazon and it's at all bookstores now. So it's safe to say we've all been through breakups and it sucks. And whether you're the one having to rip the Band-Aid off and get out of a tough relationship, or you've been the one broken up with, it's not easy. I mean, hell, you could be listening to this right now, going through an actual breakup. And if you're listening to this in the middle of a breakup situation or you're hurting, 
I'm sorry, Queen. I know it hurts. I've been there. I've been there and I know it sucks. And my heart goes out to you right now. And this episode came at the perfect time for you then. It's meant to be because when it comes to dealing with relationships, matters of the heart and specifically breakups, I think we could all use an Amy Chan in our lives. So please give a very special warm welcome to our guest on the Low Life Podcast today, Miss Amy freaking Chan. (laughs) Hi. Welcome, Amy. How are you today? I'm doing great. On a scale of one to 10, one being rock bottom, I'd say like one is, we'll say like Bill Cosby going to prison. 10 being Bill Cosby, like Jello, he's okay. Like, you know, no one knew the craziness. Where are you on the scale of one to 10, rock bottom or 10 being like prime of your career? I think it's seven and a half. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good number. That's a 70%. That feels good. Yeah, I'm around the same as you today, too. (laughs) So I have this opportunity to talk with you. And oh, my God, I don't even know where to start because I just have so much that I want to, like, get out of this interview from you because you are like a little like spiritual slash relationship expert goddess that can help a lot of people. And I know you've been through it relationship wise and you were able to write a great book because you've actually been through some shit. So unfortunately, you have gone through some tough times in your relationships, but I guess the product is really something special and you're able to, I guess, use your pain and turn it into something great for other people. Yeah. I mean, so throughout my whole life, I've been able to succeed in other areas from my career to having great friends. But the one area that I kept just failing at was matters of the heart. I was constantly heartbroken and I suffered a lot in my relationships. So 12 years ago, I became a relationship columnist. I wanted to learn everything about the psychology and science of love so that I could figure out the matters of my own heart. Mm -hmm. And I was in a relationship and I was dating this guy that I thought was going to be my happily forever after. And to me back then, happily forever after was date, get married, have kids and be together forever you know, be a stay-at-home mom, write on the side is for fun. And I was on track. And then one day that relationship fell apart because of infidelity. And um, I fell apart. I put so much of my identity in him and us that without him, I didn't know who I was. And I wasn't only just mourning the relationship and my best friend and this person I thought I knew. I was mourning the future I would now never have. You know, that breakup was really now in retrospect, I recognize was really the bandaid being ripped off. And I had to finally deal with all of my compound trauma, starting with the heartbreak with my unavailable father. And of course, at the time, I didn't have any of the tools. So I just blamed everything on him and I vilified him. And I suffered for a long time on your dad or or your on my ex? boy on my ex-boyfriend. So everything became his fault. He was the asshole. He was a villain. I was a victim of the story. And I didn't know at the time that by vilifying him, I was just staying attached to him. He was taking up so much headspace because all of my energy was trying to get rid of my own pain by putting it onto someone else. Sure. Uh, But that doesn't heal your heart. It only perpetuates the pain. Yeah, absolutely does. Well, I want to ask too, women's intuition about cheating. A lot of people say you can kind of sense that something is happening. You kind of have a feeling in your gut. Some t- and the thing is, some people say that you can get that little sneaky suspicion that something's up. Sometimes it comes from a lack of trust, though. And people who are experiencing that, like, 
pit in the bottom of their stomach of like, oh my God, I think my partner might be cheating on me. I know. Well, I haven't been cheated on, thank God, because that sucks. <laughs> but I will say for friends that have opened up and told me, they'll they'll say, well, sometimes it's my own shit that I'm projecting onto someone. And that's why I'm thinking, you know, I'm with a cheater. So did you kind of debate like in your head, like, OK, I have this feeling and, and then address it? Or were you blindsided by it? This guy cheating on you? That's a great question. It's like, yeah, how do you know when it's in your your intuition or your own anxiety and trauma? And so the night that it happened, something was happening. Something was up. My body felt it. I was in so much anxiety. And, you know, when he came home at like four in the morning, he's like, you're acting crazy. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to be that crazy girl. And no. so I was like, OK, I am being crazy. I am being crazy. And then I internalized and rationalized it away. And kind of forced myself to not feel that feeling. And okay, so the crazy thing is, the way I found out was I actually went to a psychic that day. And I went to a psychic because I actually was laid off from my job um, a few months back. And I wanted oh, to know damn. what was going to happen in my career. And the first thing she says to me when I walk in, she's like, your boyfriend, uh, there's another woman. It's from his past. He's not oh for you. My He's cheating oh. on you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. My boyfriend is so in love with me. We just came back from Europe. You know, we're so in love. I'm here to talk about my job. And she said that. I was like, no, 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 no. I still just kind of brushed it aside. Wow. And it wasn't until, you know, the day after everything happened, I still was like, oh, no, nothing happened, you know, whatever. And I was like, hey, I just I've had this thing come up. I never told you what happened with the psychic. And I, I told him the story and I asked him, I'm like, hey, was there a girl before me? Did you ever date someone before me? Because I, I was always his first girlfriend. And then his story started to change about the night before. And I was like, something's not right here. And that's how everything unfolded. Oh, damn. I know. Wait a minute. So I have a, <laughs> I, in my head, I'm like, are psychics even legit? Then I hear your story and I'm like, oh, my God, this witch lady. Just giving you this the truth. Damn. So wait, you were, but you were baby. You were, so if you, this was his first girlfriend. Was it your first main relationship too? Big relationship? No, but he oh. had been single. He was 30 and he was okay. single. Like he just focused on his career. He never had a serious relationship, but this was like my third serious relationship. But the one relationship I thought was, okay, this is the one. This is the one. Yeah. And and so there were no real clues to him cheating. You you thought everything was good, minus the psychic. <laughs> you know, I think that when I look back at the relationship at of different red flags from different values to different life vision, mm. I ignored all of those things. And so cheating is really is like the 20th step of what happens, right? Yeah. What happens first is there's a disconnection. Then there is like conflict avoidance. There's all these things that happen that lead up to cheating. Cheating is just when, you know, there's a tipping point and it, it all explodes. Um, but what you really want to look at are, you know, what are the steps that led up to that? And how am I also accountable? Because I can now look back and be like, wow, there was, I, there's, it takes two people with unresolved issues to make a dysfunctional relationship function. Mm -hmm. And I had a part of that as well. But fast forward now, we're actually very good friends. And, what? You know, yeah. He jokes he should have shares in my company. I've given him relationship advice. And uh, yeah, we're wow. really close. <laughs> uh, okay. Actually, I want to talk about being friends with your ex. 
I'm not friends with my exes. I can't see that happening just because I look at it like once you've literally been inside me or vice versa, depending on the role, I just look at it like, no, like that, the, the wall is boom up. Like I, it's so difficult. I mean, even if it ends on like good terms, just, mm, it, well, especially if I want to move on with someone else, I don't know. Don't, don't you find it to be awkward? Like how much of a part of your, uh, your life is this dude? Yeah, I mean, it took a long time for, I mean, for the first two and a half years, I hated his guts. Okay. And then really when I got to a place of healing and reframing the story and recognizing how much I learned and grew from the relationship, uh, I, my story changed to one of gratitude. And I'm so grateful for what has happened. I mean, I've now started a breakup boot camp. I've written a book about yeah. it. I am the breakup expert. And it wouldn't have happened if that relationship didn't go the way that it did. And um, so I, I to caution anyone who's out there, if you're fresh out of a breakup, you can't be friends right away. You need time for your, your brain and your body to recalibrate. When you've been intimate with someone, there needs to be a transition period for you, know, you to get used to this new dynamic. And yeah. being friends with your ex isn't for everyone. Um, but I would say about five years afterwards, uh, we became friends just because we had mutual friends and we would see each other. And then it just, our, the love never really went away. And I think that's what love is. It wasn't, it's not romantic love, but there's this love of, we both want the best for each other. We both respect each other. We are both grateful for each other. And that's absolutely beautiful. So if you can have that, then by all means do it because it adds so much to your life when you have shared so much with someone. Yeah. It is sad to just throw it all away because a relationship ended. It doesn't mean that the love needs to end. Yeah, that's I get that point. And well, also, it's kind of wild to think about. You invest so much into somebody and then all of a sudden, boom, it's done. We're strangers. Goodbye. I prefer it that way. Honest. I like to have a funeral in my head. And and bye, okay, they're dead to me. And I just move on that way, which I don't know is necessarily the healthiest thing, but just for my own, I don't know, mind at ease, to put it at ease. Yeah, sometimes I'm I'm quick to just draw that like line down in the sand and not revisit. Now, my other question is if you've been cheated on, what's the likelihood that you would get back with somebody who's cheated on you do you think that's completely toxic or is it like leopard doesn't change his spots or tiger doesn't change his stripes what's your view on that yeah i from what i've seen with with people i've worked with cheating doesn't need to be the end of the relationship in fact if there's two people and say there was infidelity um, and both people recognize their parts in how the relationship you know went off track Mm -hmm. And both people are equally invested. And the person who did do the betrayal didn't go according to the rules of the relationship is truly sorry, apologizes, and is not only, you know, saying that they're apologetic, but they have action items of how they're going to make sure this doesn't happen again. And they're both invested in a path of, you know, using this as a way to you know, reinvent the relationship and to renew that relationship. Yeah, a relationship can actually become stronger, but it does take two people who are both equally invested. And it also takes someone to say, if you're the one who was cheated on, you also have to do the work to not use this as a thing you put over their head. If yeah. you've made the decision that you're going to move through this and work through it, 
then you've really got to do it. And you can't use this as a way of just slapping resentment to their face every time something goes wrong. Uh, Miranda and Steve, that's what comes to mind. Yes. Sex in the city for the listeners who don't know that reference, but like that's literally Miranda and Steve's situation. Then they meet like, let's meet at the, what was it? Like the whatever. Bridge. Br- the bridge. Such a climactic. If we both meet at the same time. Ah. <laughs> uh, so sweet. I'm curious to know your thoughts on monogamy. Do you, after putting in the work, going through hell and back with relationships, having some asshole cheat on you that now is a great friend, which is great, happy ending. Do you think that monogamy is crucial for a relationship or you, do you think that open relationships could be a thing? I'm curious your thoughts on it. That's a total personal decision. And I think for many people who value monogamy, monogamy works. And, you know, I've been in the situation where I met someone who wanted to have a polyamorous relationship and tried to convince me. He's like, well, all guys cheat anyway. I'm just going to be honest about it. Right. (laughs) And like tried to convince me to be open. And it felt really wrong to me. And, um, you know, so if you believe in monogamy, you know, find a partner who also believes in monogamy, share the same value. If you want an open relationship, find a partner who believes in that instead of trying to convince people against their will. And so, yeah, I think it really it just really depends. I don't believe that if you're having relationship issues, opening up the relationship as the solution to those relationship issues that generally leads to disaster. I have never seen that work out. No, no chance. Well, and I even think sometimes too, bringing like sexually, if you're in a relationship and you want to spice things up, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, well, I've never been down for a threesome. It's just not my vibe, but I know like maybe 25 years into a marriage with someone, a little happy anniversary. Let's spice it up a bit. Maybe. I don't know. And I don't know. It kind of fascinates me. And I, I'm almost thinking that I was taught so, so early mm-hmm. on that you, monogamy is everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, what kind of like relationship are you in if it's open? It's unhealthy. Right. It, it's I mean, it's associated with like, I don't know, Sodom and Gomorrah, sin. It's not something that people celebrate or are open to. Gay community, it's a lot more accepting, but I don't think the heterosexual world is down with that open relationship vibe. I don't think it's as common. I think you're you're more ostracized if you are into mm-hmm. that. I don't know. Yeah, and I think it's important for for all of us to create our own path, right? And to actually you know, be intentional and sit down and and ask yourself, what are the beliefs that I have about relationships? And how much of that is actually mine? How much of that was learned through my parents, through culture, through socialization? And do they serve me now? And here's the thing, you can also change your mind. Like, Lo, you don't need to know who, you know, you in 20 years is going to be. You can just with, you know, Every year or every couple of months, have a check-in with your partner and be like, hey, this is where I'm at. Where are you at? What do you yeah. think about this? Oh, no, that's still off boundary. Okay, let's not talk about this. Let's, oh, not, let's close that door until next year. Like, you Oopsies, can have the orgies off the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because we, we can change our mind. You can start off in a relationship and be like, I only want open. And then decide three years in when you have children, like, you know what? Maybe monogamy is, is what feels good right now. And that's yeah. totally normal, too. So pick your path, but know what is your path. 
and not just the path that you've taken through osmosis because of what you've seen in society. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little bit more of your scalp? Has menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. I'm excited to have Nutrafol as a sponsor because I use it. I love it. I'm a big fan of this company. I've noticed a big difference in my skin, nails, hair. Even my sleep has improved since I started taking this. Now I have the queen taking it too, and it has been a game changer for her hair. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. I'm all about leveling up with my lowlifers this year. As a fashion stylist, the first place I want to start, of course, is leveling up your closet. But I don't want you to break the bank. You don't got to spend a lot of money, honey. Design on a dime, boo. You can still elevate your closet on a budget. We want you to save some money here. So I'm happy to have Quince as a sponsor. They are here for us. They're going to take good care of us. At Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at affordable prices. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Oh, they're amazing. I bought these beautiful silk pillowcases for my bed. I got a cute jacket, a cozy cashmere cardigan, and navy blue joggers I'm obsessed with. These are staple pieces for my closet that will not go out of style, and I was able to save some money. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash lowlife for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash lowlife to get free shipping and 365-day returns, quince.com slash lowlife. I love me a good edible moment. I talk about it all the time on this show. And so I was so excited that Via became a sponsor of the Low Life Podcast. Oh, this is a dream partnership because I love their edibles. They're so delicious. And they're coming on right in time for Valentine's Day. Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. We're talking about pairing aphrodisiac herbs with a mild amount of THC. Their best-selling High Love gummy will awaken your senses, increases the blood flow, and intensifies any sexual experience, even if it's a solo experience. It's going to be amazing with this gummy. The strawberry-flavored one is my favorite. They're vegan. Organic ingredients are used. They have zero THC products as well. So if you're not down for THC, that's okay, boo. Their CBD line is amazing too, which is really great for sleep, focus, and energy. Their products range from 2 milligrams to 50 milligrams of THC, so there's definitely something for everybody. My favorite part about this sponsor is that they ship to all 50 states legally with discreet packaging directly to your door. It makes it so easy breezy for you. No medical card required. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code LOWLIFE to receive 15% off plus one free sample of their Sleepy Dreams gummies. 21 and over. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com and use code LOWLIFE at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. And we're back. Are you noticing a, a shift in the way that people are more open to different thoughts and 
the way they identify their relationships. I have girlfriends of mine that are like, I don't even know if I want to get married. I might want to just like have my own kids. Don't like it's wild to even think about, but like kudos to them. One girlfriend of mine, she has a serious boyfriend, doesn't know if she wants to marry him. She might Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn it. Never like, you know, actually uh, sign a marriage document and and make it official. Uh, but she's like, I want to be there because I want to be in the relationship with them because we both want to be there, not because it's like a legal document. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting perspective. And I'm, I don't know. Are you noticing the, sh- the tide starting to turn and people being more open to different styles? Yeah, I, I am. And I, I'm, I find it really exciting because I think also we now have more teachers available, right? Yeah. Um, you're starting to see different schools of thought, whether it's Instagram, you know, coaches who are t- sharing t- stuff about sexuality. Um, I bring in a dominatrix to my breakup boot camp who Ooh. talks about power and the psychology of power dynamics. This is typically the first time any of these women have ever met or heard of a dominatrix. And afterwards, they're like, oh, wow, like, I had all these preconceived notions and judgments. And now I understand a bit more. So I feel like people are starting to have their minds open a bit more just because we have more content available. We're having more different perspectives that are available. And we're also starting to see more diverse types of relationships on television and in media, although it's still a very heteronormative date, get married, have your, you know, our new version of Mr. Big is Bridgerton, right? It's like oh, these storylines, um, but we're, we're getting yeah. a bit better. <laughs> yeah. Slowly moving the needle. By the way, everyone was like freaking out that that dude's not coming back. Did you watch Bridgerton? Did you get into it at all? I did. I binged it. Okay, same. I mean, he's so hot. I get it. Like, beautiful man. I didn't even realize these were books beforehand, and he wasn't even in those books. Like, the, it makes sense that he's not in part two, if you will, because I guess that's not part of the actual storyline. Mm. Um, but he was such a big deal in it, and people are losing their shit that that man is not coming back. Okay, so... I want to get into dominatrix <laughs> talking a little bit. Well, more so about your your actual boot camp that you offer. So it's actually only for individuals. And right now they're for women only okay. or people who identify as, as female. It's a four day retreat out in nature. We bring in an onsite chef. So all of your meals are cooked and you're eating really well. We bring in 12 experts from psychologists, behavioral scientists, hypnotists, energy healers, uh, sex educators, uh, a dominatrix. And we help uh, these people not only process the pain of their breakup or their divorce or just their disappointments in dating, but really get to understand what are the subconscious patterns and beliefs that are causing the same emotional experiences Mm. to repeat because here's the thing it's never just about the ex it's recycled pain and so if we don't deal with the unresolved trauma we just create these dysfunctional relationships over and over again and because of the pandemic i now offer them virtually Mm, online okay yeah Yeah. which i guess i mean that's great because people are going through it right now yeah breakups are increasing divorces through the roof right now. It's really sad what's going on. Yeah. Is like going through your specific uh, detox type program. Um, would it, I guess, give you more tools so that you don't end up like wanting to kill yourself or feeling <laughs> that all time low? Um, or is that just kind of like part of the course? Like you're going to feel that it happens. Yeah, you're going to feel the emotions no matter what. And there's no fast forward so that you don't feel it. But there are ways of coping 
in a healthy way. So they're called adaptive coping mechanisms versus mal- maladaptive. Uh, maladaptive coping mechanisms are things we do that give short-term relief or distraction, but they have long-term unhealthy negative consequences. So this oh. might include drinking. Yeah. Um, or the best way to get over someone is to get under someone. Right, right. Yeah, totally. Just like getting on dating apps, meeting other people, having sex with as many people as you can. Um mm. When you're doing these things as a way to avoid the actual situation, they're maladaptive. They're unhealthy for you. Um, And so the key is to learn how to have um, positive coping mechanisms. And so I think very first thing is in the beginning stage of a separation, your body and your brain is in a complete state of shock. So your body is used to getting feel-good chemicals from your relationship, dopamine, oxytocin, all those things that you used to feel in the lust phase, you're now feeling but in with in reverse. So you're 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 in withdrawal. And you have to think of your ex as if they're your drug dealer during this time. Um, you have neural <laughs> pathways that have been wired together with this person. Yeah. And if you continue to talk to them or you know, scroll their Instagram feed you know, reread their text messages, you're only strengthening those old neural pathways and you're not allowing new neural pathways to develop. And so that's going to prolong your suffering um, because you can be broken up with someone, but you keep pretending, yeah, I can be friends and you're, you know, messaging with them or you hang out with them. And, you know, four months later, you're still hooked over this person. You're actually not broken up. You're still in a relationship with someone who's not in a relationship with you. Oh, Um, damn. Yeah. Yeah. So the emotional charge is what keeps you hooked. And so I think it's important that we we are gentle with our feelings. And it sounds simple, but do not judge your feelings as good or bad during this time. Actually, ever like your feelings are just your feelings and they're going to pass. But when you judge them, you're resisting the emotions and then you add a layer of shame. And then that shame and then the self-blame causes you to go into rumination cycle, which causes that emotion from, you know, that was sadness that will eventually kind of go through your body and pass, it becomes depression and then anxiety. And then I want to kill myself. And then I will never meet anyone again. Like it goes bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I say, don't feed your emotional monster. It is okay to feel your emotions. Know that the life cycle of an emotion is actually only 90 seconds. That's how long it takes for you when you feel the feeling for it to move through your body, reach its chemical peak and, and go. Oh, wow. 90 seconds, 90 seconds. But what keeps that emotion around for hours, days, years are the stories you attach. So now Mm. it's no longer like, oh, I feel sad. It's like, I will never meet someone again. This always happens to me. Dating in LA, New York, it sucks. You add these stories and then you're like, you know, this happened last time. And oh my gosh, this fight. And that that emotion stays around longer and longer and longer. Mm. Feeding your emotional monster is putting on Coldplay, fix you on repeat, watching I know love actually and crying because you'll never get that type of love, right? There's these things we do. It's like emotional cutting. You know it's bad for you, but you just can't help it. You feel sad and you actually want to make that feeling of sadness bigger. Yeah. So recognize when you're doing that and do the opposite thing. And that might inc- include calling up a friend, being around someone you feel safe and that you can trust and that you, who won't judge you or say stupid shit like just get over it. Because you do not need any extra shame during this time. You're in a very sensitive and critical stage. Ask your friends to hold space for you. You do not need advice. They don't have to say things like, you know, everything happens for a reason. All that shit will, will just make you feel worse. Yeah. Just say, I need to hold space or for Or even me. villainizing exactly. the ex. 
yeah, getting together and over wine, like what an asshole, what a narcissist, like all that shit, it only increases the emotional charge. Because here's the thing, when you're, when you're constantly vilifying your ex, blaming your ex, hoping for your ex to change, you are still in a relationship with your ex. The emotional charge is keeping you hooked. And sometimes we hold on to the pain because that's the last part of the relationship that we've got left. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and when I'm in, like, even when it comes to friendships, not even relationships, I mean, whether it be letting a friendship go or a, a serious relationship with, you know, a partner, I embrace the grief and I'm like, I go into, yeah, hello, darkness, my old friend. Hello, darkness, my old friend. And I'm like, go to that place. But I don't know if that's necessarily the healthiest place to be at all times. Luckily, I haven't gone to a place where I'm going to end up wanting to to have like a suicidal thought. But I've definitely felt freaking low. And I'm like, is this the best coping mechanism? In my head, I'm like, I got to feel it. I got to go through it. I need to experience this pain. But maybe I'm just like, being a little extra hard on myself. You know what I mean? Like maybe I don't really need to go through all that. I should try and do the opposite as you're saying. Yeah. I mean, you can feel it, but, and you don't want to just like shove down your emotions by not dealing with it. But you can also, if you find that you are in, you know, that state for, you know, hours or days on end, you can actually do timed intervals. So you can give Mm. yourself, put yourself on a timer and my depression time, say 20 minutes in that 20 minutes cry punch your pillow do whatever you need to do to let it out after that you do a state change you force yourself to go for a jog you might even you know do jumping jacks and shake your body for two minutes that actually helps you move the adrenaline and cortisol the stress hormones through your body and so you know Mm -hmm. you can try that and so that you're not just in this lull and you just keep going lower and lower and lower yeah wow i want to okay thank you for that helping me through breakups. I'm not in a breakup situation right now, but I'm glad I'm talking to you for when I do have that moment, I'll be blowing up your phone. Uh, I have a question about when it comes to relationships, it's so hard right now to date during a pandemic. I know it's mainly like online. Luckily there's light at the end of the tunnel because you know, with the vaccine and stuff, people are getting out there a little bit more. Uh, But I would say for someone out there who is single and looking to mingle, What do you suggest they do? Because I get that question asked a lot. People are feeling uh, loneliness right now. They're very apprehensive to to meeting up with people um, because, you know, yeah, we're making steps ahead, progression forwards with the pandemic. But, you know, we still got to be careful. So I'm just wondering, like, in with your expertise, and I'm sure you have friends that are kind of going through the same thing. What is your advice for someone that's kind of going through it right now? Yeah, you know, I think that there's a silver lining of pandemic dating. And for those people who, you know, before the pandemic were just dating like constantly and exhausted and disappointed, this is a great time to recalibrate and actually Mm -hmm. figure out, hey, was what you were doing before working? Were the types of people you were choosing working? Were you filtering enough or were you filtering too much? And so I suggest to people do a dating experiment. Like this is your time to be a scientist and change your patterns. If the old way of work doing it, wasn't working for you, go on, you know, choose 10 different people. And um, you can do this via dating app, choose people who you would typically not choose. Maybe it's someone 10 years younger, unless you're like 15 and like, that would be weird. Right. But like 10 years younger, 10 years older, someone who, you know, doesn't have the jawline that you want, like whatever it is oh, and, and do face dates with them. Right. <laughs> and your only goal is 
am I having fun? Do I want to see this person again? That's it. Don't be like, are you going to be my future, you know, partner? Are you going to be, you know, the parent of my child? Whatever that shit. Don't do that. Your only intention when you are first meeting someone, whether it's online or like on a FaceTime date or a walk is, am I having fun? Do I want to see this person again? That is it. Does it warrant a second time? And what you'll be surprised is when you do this, you might be surprised that you, the type you thought you had, there are people that might have some qualities that you're like, oh, this actually feels good. And your brain might not cognitively process it as romantic chemistry. But when you know, like, oh, I'm having a good time. I want to see them again. That's chemistry. That's all you need to know. And it might take time for you to process that it's romantic chemistry. And that might not come until a few more times being with the person. Mm. Did you do that when, I mean, you're in a relationship right now, right? I am. Yeah. How did you meet this guy? Are you going to marry this dude? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I actually, someone tried to set us up a year prior to us meeting and I, I guess I said no. And then I, why did you say no? I don't even remember. I I think I was like, I looked at his photo. I was like, oh, not my type. And then a year later we, I swiped on him on a dating app. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, you know, I think me meeting him is like shows how much work I've done because I used to you know, have a type. I used to have, I call it a chemistry compass, which is our internal GPS that points us into the direction of who we're drawn to and who we're not drawn to. What and was, mine, what was yours? I'm so curious. It what used was to your be look? pointing to, you know, in my twenties, it was DJs and club owners. And in my thirties, <laughs> it was, uh, tech CEOs and entrepreneurs. And they okay. were constantly unavailable people who put me 10th on the priority list, never jumped in fully. And I, they wounded me in a very similar way to how I was wounded as a child. The emotional experience with these guys was exactly the same as the experience I had with my father, who was never available. You know, I, I only got love when I earned it through good grades. And, you know, I had to, I recognized like my chemistry compass is broken. And I was only feeling chemistry with people who were bad for me. Treating so you I, a little bit like shit yeah and so i did uh, this dating experiment on myself wow. and i actually developed a familiarity of what healthy feels like because human beings were drawn to what's familiar so when you're like oh i have chemistry with this type of person it's because it's familiar to you and so if you are familiar with chaos unavailability someone who is hot and cold then you're going to be drawn to people who are like that but you can actually change your chemistry compass by exposing yourself bit by bit to people who are more healthy. And you then change your baseline of what's familiar. And so I did this dating experiment and it worked. And, you know, it worked in the sense that it started, I started to be like, oh, this is how it feels like when someone shows up for you. Oh, when someone intentionally wants to date you, when someone, you know, isn't has playing games. Mess. Exactly. And that changed my, the, my compass. And I stopped going for people who treated me like shit yeah and this guy is not treating you like shit treats you like a queen which is so yeah which (laughs) is so important i'm wondering when it comes to a relationship uh, so my chemistry compass i have to say i'm pretty open to anything anyone like i'm down the only thing is which i've talked about it with friends and i've had a couple being like low that's a dick move but i can't be with someone who's financially unstable that is my, I guess, my line in the sand moment. Yep. I just don't want you to be broke. 
but it doesn't mean you have to be rich. It just, I don't want someone who's struggling financially. And the only reason why I say that is one, uh, if I want to have any type of future, like I'm thinking of like kids and stuff like that. But if we want to just start at like a date situation, I kind of want like a nice dinner, you know, and I don't want to have to like worry if the card is going to go through or, you know, I've had that phase in my life. Like I don't come from money and I definitely have had financial instability in my life early on in my twenties. Now I'm, uh, I'm 31 years old. So I look at it like, I just want a little uh, financial security. That's yeah. all. But is that terrible? Of me no, to ask that? not at all. And Lo, you've worked hard to get to where you're at, right? Yeah. Like, I think that if you were, you know, Am I a shallow bitch? If you weren't working and you were just like, you know, playing video games all day for the last three years and you're like, I just want a rich person like to take care of me. And or wanting that sugar daddy vibe. <laughs> yeah, there's then a that lot that want be, that sugar daddy vibe. Yeah, like that would be not very healthy, right? And And so like you are wanting someone who is similar to you in the sense like you work hard, you're responsible. You're an Financially adult. responsible, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the main thing. Oh my God. Yeah. And I used to be so scared of money. Oh, I like talking money, budgeting. Yeah. I thought you, if you talk budget means you're broke. So I always avoided any type of conversation like that with my accountant. And then I started to really just <gasps> rip the bandaid off yeah. and look at the finances. And you're right, putting in the work. And I'm like, well, now I'm I'm okay talking about money. And I like to know like where my money's going and what I'm spending on. And and it's no longer like a, an elephant in the room that I don't want to discuss. Yeah. Uh, just being aware of it. But I think that applies to probably every aspect of dating someone, doing the work on yourself. Yeah, I, I'm a believer that you are drawn to and you draw people who are of a very similar emotional health level. You know, even before I met my partner for the year prior, I stopped attracting and being attracted to assholes. Like they were just amazing people. You know, nothing about me. Like I physically I looked the same. I was living in the same city. But something yeah. internally shifted. And, you know, the, the people that were narcissistic or selfish or, you know, unavailable, they just weren't even making it through my filters. Like, yeah, no. Did you yeah. find it difficult? Because you are, well, right now you're in Vancouver, right? Mm -hmm. I know. I, you're originally from Canada, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I heard the story in there and I got all excited because <laughs> I love Canadians so much. You little ketchup chip. A little Tim snorting Tim bit. Is that what they're called? I love yes. my I love my Canadians. Uh, and by the way, I, I always think to myself, like, if I want to find someone, Canada is the place to do it just because I think they're kinder. I think that just the people in Canada are awesome from my experience so far. I've never had a bad one. I will say you lived in New York. Yeah. Before leaving for the pendant. But you've spent a lot of time in New York, right? Yeah, I lived in, so I lived in San Diego for a year and then I lived in oh, nice. New York for seven years. Okay. Dating yeah. in New York sounds terrifying. <laughs> and I mean, I'm here in Los Angeles and there's something to say about the dating world in big major cities like New York and Los Angeles is hell. And <laughs> maybe that's a little bit of an excuse or there's some validity to it. I'm curious what your take is on that, because in my opinion, everyone's coming to Los Angeles or New York in the hopes of a dream. So it's a little bit more of like a selfish mindset, which isn't bad. But I think that because everyone's here to like make it till they, you know, yeah. so LA does, or New York doesn't chew you up and spit you out. I think finding a partner in a city like this could be a little difficult, but maybe I'm wrong. Hit it. Yeah. I mean, there's pros and cons, right? So when I lived in Vancouver, 
I would meet maybe two people I would be romantically interested in a year. When I oh. moved to New York, <laughs> that was like 12. Like you're just, there's just so many more people and there's mm. more places and opportunities for singles to meet. And so, yeah, I mean, I was dating like so much there and there's part of it is, okay, great. There's like more to people to choose from, but it can become very exhausting and depleting. And, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, in the beginning when I was there, was I dating terrible people? Yeah. Like, I think that was not, I think that was like indicative of also where I was at. And I don't, I, I wouldn't say terrible, but people who were just noncommittal, not, you know, didn't want to uh, like be in a relationship. But then, you know, after a while, I just started dating really great people. And like so many of the people that I dated in New York, I'm like, wow, like maybe it didn't work out with, uh, with us, but like, I would introduce you to my friend. Like, you're awesome. So. Oh, that's sweet. I think we also can create self-fulfilling prophecies. And, you know, this is called confirmation bias. When you think like, oh, my God, dating in New York sucks. All the guys or the girls are like this. And you make these generalizations. Yeah. You're going to find that. That's true. Yeah. That's what I've been finding. <laughs> yeah. I've been seeing a lot of that. But you know what? I. I also think, too, uh, I get caught up in the hustle and bustle of a Los Angeles or when I am in New York um, that I don't even know if I'm necessarily opened up to a relationship. And that's my next question to you. When you are going on a date with someone, could you go into it with the mentality of wanting something long term or should you not have any sort of expectations because you could set yourself up for disappointment? What is the best approach to starting something up with someone? I think the first date is is really just to see if there's a connection. And again, as I mentioned earlier, all you want to know is, am I having fun? Do I want to see this person again? You're just trying to see, is there chemistry? Sure. And that's what that is for. And I think like those serious conversations of like, do you want to have two children or three? Like all that kind of stuff. I don't think it necessarily needs to be brought in to date one because it can create a lot of pressure um, (laughs) that's unnecessary. And you, you can have a spark, but... Because yeah. of this pressure, you you just kind of like put water on that spark. And so, you know, I, and I think it's totally okay to communicate where you're at and what you want. But I, I think that the timing of things, you could be smarter and more effective in when you bring those things up. I also don't think, you know, if you want marriage and children, I don't think that you pretend you don't. And six months later, you're like, oh, so I want this thing. And you're sorely disappointed. Oh, God. Yeah. But I just don't think it's something you bring up right away because in the first date, because also you don't know this person, right? Like there's something called conquesting I talk about in my book. And this is when someone has an idea of like, I want a wife or I want a husband or I want to get have kids by age 32. And then you're just looking, looking, and you're like, you, you find someone, you're like, okay, you know, you have enough money, you have a stable job, okay, check. You have, your parents are not divorced, okay, check. You have brown hair, great, boom, you. And then you have this vibe of like, you just fit them into your life plan and you've objectified them. They're no longer human, they're an object. And people can <laughs> feel that. Yeah. Like, even if they, they don't cognitively know what's going on, when, when someone's conquested you, you're like, something feels off. Like, I don't know what it is. There's a little bit of disgust. And you might be like, oh, no, it's because, you know, the way that they laughed or whatever. You don't know. But subconsciously, you've picked it up. You've picked up that energy that is actually rooted in scarcity. It's not coming from a place of love and abundance. And mm-hmm. that feels icky. So if you go in with those conquesting vibes, it's you're going to be turn off the person. 
Yeah, absolutely. Even when you're at a specific age where, unfortunately, I hate this when they're like the biological clock is ticking. Oh, my God. It's I'm like the amount of, of friends that I have that have experienced that are experiencing it right now. And they're like, oh, my like I got baby on the brain. I want to they think about like my kid is 10 years old. I'm going to be this old and and just going through all of that. I had one of my girlfriends and she went to her gyno and was talking. They were talking about freezing eggs and stuff. And I mean, I think she's all of 34 years old. And this doctor, I was like, I went with my girlfriend to her appointment and this doctor's like, oh, yeah, well, we want to talk about geriatric pregnancies. And I was like, what? I'm sorry. Geriatric pregnancy. Like you think she's over here in a freaking wheelchair, you know, with an oxygen tank trying to get pregnant in her 80s. But I'm like, it's just such a strong word anyway. Oh, I hate it. But I understand it's just like a scientific type thing. It's, you know, it's medical. But for someone feeling that sense of urgency and they want to have a family, how how difficult it must be to go into a date and not have that idea of like, where is this going to go quick? You know what I mean? You really got to push some shit behind. Bury it deep. For sure. And I think that it's okay when you assess someone, right? The whole point of dating is actually filtering, right? It is to see like, is this person going to make it to round two? And so it's okay. Yeah. Like you, you can sense like their vibe. Like if they're super aggressive, like sexually, and you're like, whoa, like you don't even really know me at all. Like that, those are signs. Like look for the red flags and look for the green flags. There's certain things that will show you that someone is, you know, interested in developing a connection with you. But it's very different when you're like, I want kids and like <laughs> you must be it. Like when you're in that, you're not interested in a connection. No. And so like I need they want a dad, you know, yes, for their, exactly. their and son so, or daughter. And, and I understand, you know, the biological clock thing. And one thing that might be helpful is create a brainstorm, a list of ideas of other options. Right. If you can't have if you don't end up having your own baby, then what are other ways? And just you start writing those down and that can even help you you know, get out of your fear center, your, your, your amygdala going like, oh my God, everything's wrong. So mm. like by asking these questions and brainstorming, you actually get your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that's logical to come back online. So like brainstorm that and like start to be like, okay, th- there's a possibility of different paths that I can take, you know, and it's okay to still have the primary path that you want. But if it doesn't happen, you also have these five other baskets. And I think that will help you not go in with that conquest pressure vibe. And that will allow a connection to grow. Yeah. Organically without a pressure on it, which is so nice. Oh, God. But having those little backup baskets, I like that idea. Backup baskets. Yeah, we all need our little backup basket. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sorry to interrupt, but we'll be right back. Is your New Year's resolution to find time-saving solutions so you can spend less time doing things like grocery shopping and more time with your little one? As a busy parent, I'm always looking for products and brands that will make my life easier. What is one change that's easy to make that will make your life easier in 2024? Little Spoon. Little Spoon delivers fresh, healthy meals and snacks that your kiddo will love for every eating stage. Little Spoon is a one-stop shop for healthy, Easy mealtime and snack time for your baby, toddler, and big kid delivered right to your door. 
Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Time-saving and convenient without compromise. Little Spoon delivers baby blends, biteables, plates, smoothies, snacks, and lunchers. Kids love it, and you will too. It's all so fresh, so delicious, and made with the cleanest, high-quality ingredients. Did I mention it all comes right to my door? So flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. I pick the menu and change it up what I order every time. The price is right, the quality is unmatched. I love it, my kids love it, the grandparents love it, and I know all you low lifers will love it too. A huge win 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 for my family, and it can also be for yours. Simplify your kiddos' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash lowlife and enter our code lowlife at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. All right, now let's get back to the show. I'm curious, are you going to end up back in New York now the pandemic, the, the vaccine is happening, you and your boo thing, is he in uh, Vancouver with you or? Yeah, he never even visited Vancouver and he moved here. Oh it's my nuts. God. Yeah. Is he uh, from the United States? Yeah, he was born in New York. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Are you guys going to like just end up living in, in Canada now? I think so. I mean, here's when I was in New York, I was really like hustling my ass and you know, like that just became my norm. And now I'm in Vancouver. Like life is very peaceful there. I don't hear sirens outside my house. Like there's nature. We're going snowshoeing. <laughs> like I can snowshoe. What, is like, it? what the hell snowshoeing? Oh my God. You wear these things that look like rackets and you like walk and hike on the snow. It's the cutest thing. <laughs> when you come, I'll take you. That's so but cute. anyway, like, you know, it's so it's like, I've slowed down a lot. Um, I, I really enjoy it. And I don't yeah. think that I want to go back to that hustle of life. You know, I still work hard. I still do my thing, but I just have different priorities in life right now. And I think the pandemic also helped me recognize like there's more to life than the next achievement and generating a sense of internal peace and being in a state of acceptance, no matter what's going on outside of me, that's, you know, what's a priority. Not like, oh my God, like, am I going to get into this like review or this show, like whatever. I just, yeah. Oh, I love my overachieving friends. Yes. Always striving, Queen, for greatness. I'm glad you're taking a beat, though, and enjoying Vancouver in freaking snow, whatever, snow boots. I'm putting your little snow shoes on and getting out there. You should. Well, um, I'm, I'm curious to know, too, right now, the climate is insane. We're talking, speaking of acceptance, that's a great segue into what the hell is going on right now, specifically in the United States. I'd love to touch on this with you because you are an Asian uh, Canadian born queen. You are Chinese. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Hey, oh, there she is. It's crazy to me that right now, being Asian, I mean, there's such a focus on on uh, racism right now, specifically in the Asian community. Mm-hmm. This is not new. It's been happening forever. I think we're just shining a light on it. My opinion on 
the the target and focus of of all of these you know hate crimes that are happening right now and it's a lot of discrimination happening but i always look at it like let's call it the discrimination olympics oh. and right now we're talking about asians leading the race unfortunately and this is not a race that anyone wants to be part of by the way right. um but i remember when it was hispanics and we were all worried about the border and i mean they still get a lot of shit too and i'm hispanic um so it was like you know Mexicans and they're the reason why America's going down the shitter and it was a focus on immigration and then before that it was with unfortunately 9/11 Muslims were a mm-hmm. big focus and and you didn't even have to be Muslim you could just look like you're Indian and you're going to have racism and you know there's a lot of hate crimes that are happening but I'm seeing um this there's always this like wave of racism that's going down in the United States and right now it, Asians are definitely um at the at the forefront of that so i'd love to see how you're feeling during this time and just i'd love to get like your opinions and thoughts on what the hell's going down in society right now because it's mind-blowing to me yeah and thanks for asking when the when the shootings in atlanta happened i felt a lot of intense emotion but like my typical way of dealing with anything to do with racism. I just was like, nope, don't cry. Like push it away. Mm. And, you know, in my culture, that's what we were taught. We were taught to preserve harmony instead of having confrontation. And when things happen, you just kind of shove it away and you, you blend in. And I'm the, I'm the daughter of uh, immigrant parents who came here from China. And when they came, they were dirt poor. They didn't, you know, my mom didn't speak English. She knocked on the doors and, tried to find a job to sew. And, oh, wow. and so they have a story of like totally surviving. So I, I kind of adapted a lot of these ways of being, which I never even thought about. And um, when I was a child, I, I was in an all white school. Everyone around me was white. And I remember just hating being Chinese, hating my, my oh. Chinese name, hating my Chinese food, hating that I look Chinese to the point that when I used my allowance money and I went to the makeup counter, I asked the woman to give me foundation that would make me look white. And the woman was like, you can't do that. I'm like, just give me the whitest foundation. And she wouldn't really help me because she's like, you can't do that. So I just picked the whitest bottle and I would use that on my face because I was like, well, maybe people will think I'm Caucasian and mm. being Chinese could be my dirty little secret. It wasn't until, you know, the shootings in Atlanta where I actually stopped and I was like, wait a minute, how? How has racism affected me and how, how much have I just normalized it and just pushed it away? It wasn't until a friend actually, she's actually one of the women, she does uh, the Girls Gotta Eat podcast and she sent me a text. She's like, you know, thinking of me and stuff. And it was only then that I, I broke down. It was almost like I, I was given permission to feel the sadness and the pain that's been kind of pent up for so long. And I've just made the decision. I'm like, I, I can't be silent anymore. And I, I'm, you know, I used to the jokes, like I would be a part of the jokes. I would make the jokes. And now I'm like, wait, like there's a harmful impact. Like these are, it creates a ripple effect. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. Like I think r- now I've actually had to unfollow some of the news sites because it was just so stressful for me. Because, you know, they're also targeting old nannies, right? They're, they're targeting people who are very, like, 70, 80, 90 years old. And it's oh, heartbreaking. I know. Oh, I saw that, that <sighs> video. I can't even. Oh, it was terrible yeah. to see that happen. And what was also really interesting about the way society, I don't know where that was, maybe New York. 
it was a Filipino woman. I believe she was in her seventies and this guy just came up and just completely hit her. And then, you know, literally stomped on her in the, in the middle of the street in front of this, they had the cameras, you know, filming in front of this building. When that happened though, there were other people, innocent bystanders watching this happen. No one stepped up. No one wanted to help. I think that's, says a lot about where we could be at as a society. It really worries me. I'm like, where, why? What the f- is going on? Why didn't anyone step up and try and help this person or tackle that fucking dude down? Like, who would allow yeah. something like this to go down? It's it's just, it really, it, it's so disheartening to see something like that. But it kind of says we're, re- there's a lot of people that are just like, ooh, staying out of it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I, there's this quote that I heard that I have been pondering and it's privilege is when you think something is not a problem because it's not a problem to you personally. And I think of all the times where I kind of was like, Oh, it's not my problem. You know, like, Oh, this doesn't affect me. And now actually experiencing, you know, what's happening with Asian racism and coming to terms with the own, with the Asian racism I faced, I've like, wow, like, I I use as a filter whenever I'm hearing about someone's struggle. I'm like, yeah, I might not know this experience because I'm not going through it, but that is my privilege. And it doesn't mean that it's not a problem just because I'm not going through it. You're going through this. And so I should care and I should give a damn. And what can I do? Like me asking you of your experience, that's even like a, ooh, I don't know if I should. Like people get really uncomfortable with even talking about race or anything like that so i'm noticing that i'm like yeah it could be uncomfortable but like why not yeah it's uncomfortable only because you're 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 hitting an edge of something you haven't been familiar with and so yeah these conversations i never had them growing up and they are uncomfortable right whether it's a conversation about money or it's a conversation about racism but they're important and so the discomfort isn't a sign for you to stop. The discomfort is like, oh, I'm hitting an edge. I'm growing here. Move forward. Mm, move forward. And on that note, okay, can we just, I want to end this episode moving forward and ending it on rapid fire questions. Can I do a round of rapid fire with you? Yeah. Rapid fire question time. Here we freaking go. Cottage on the beach or cabin in the woods? Cottage on the beach. Mm, great answer. Same. Uh, your celebrity crush. We'll start with the male celebrity crush first. What's that guy's name? <laughs> Gail Garcia something? Oh. He was um, in Motorcycle Diaries? Yeah, Gail Garcia Bernal. Is that him? Yeah. Oh, Gail shit. Garcia Bernal. I just watched Mozart in the Jungle. I know I'm late. Oh, I like binged yeah. it. And so, yeah. He's my crush now. Hot, hot, little Latin spice. Okay, female celebrity crush. I'm so terrible with celebrities. I love that, actually. Can I say something like Oprah Winfrey? Oh, my God. Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) Yes, you could definitely say, yes, be her gal. (laughs) Love that. If your belly button had a magical power, any power when you press your belly button, what would you make your belly button do? It would do like a Care Bear stare at people who <laughs> are in like 
self-hatred and suffering, and it would just give them a dose of compassion and peace. Boom! Care Bear The Care Bear Stare! And then they, like, freaking pull out their bellies. Oh, my God. Which are you going to be the little, um, there's, like, the lavender, blue, yellow, green. Like, I think there's, like, heart stars. Maybe you'll be a rainbow of them all. Rainbow. So cute. Go-to cheat meal? Pizza. Okay. Now we, I need to know, like, where are you getting this pizza from? It's a loaded question, but, like, your one pizza joint. Yeah. I mean, in New York, it was uh, Ruby Rosa or Prince Street. But Pr- Prince oh. Street, apparently, they're a bit racist, so now it's Ruby Rosa. Damn it, Prince Prince Street. (laughs) Bye, Prince Street. Uh, When are you most inspired? I'm most inspired in the morning at a cafe, drinking a matcha latte, writing. Oh, God, that sounds so nice. Movie that is a mood changer for you, or you've watched it more than once. Let's say a movie that you can watch over and over, even quote it. That type of movie for you. Uh, 2046 by Wong Kar Wai. Uh, it's subtitles. Oh. It's absolutely beautiful and brilliant. And it is about love and a man who experiences love too early, love too late when he's jaded and love in the present moment. And it's like watching art. Oh, my God. I need to see this movie. Never watched it. Uh, what is your top love language? We're going with acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, quality time. What is your Numero uno. We all love them all. But if you had to pick just one, what are you going with? Acts of service. Okay. Yeah. Pick and up my freaking dry gifts. cleaning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> love that. The last show you binge watched. Ginny and Georgia. Damn it. I haven't seen that yet. Is it good? It's really good. Okay. I need to get into that yeah. one. It's like, it's like eating junk food. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, something that people commonly get wrong about you. Oh, I think people think I'm intimidating. Mm. I've heard that. Yeah, but you're not. You're a sweetheart. All right. I am. Yeah. Most of the time. I am. (laughs) A little spicy at times, perhaps. When you die and you get to come back to this world, let's say you're reincarnated as an animal. Which animal are you being reincarnated as? Mm, probably a labradoodle. They're so cute. Oh, I love labradoodles. They're the sweetest and really freaking smart dogs. Yeah. And last but not least, I always like to leave the low lifers with a great quote, something you live by. It could be something that you say or anyone, but can you leave the low lifers with a little something, something, a quote to live by? Yeah. Uh, one of my quotes that's in my book is... Um, Our greatest lesson in this lifetime is to practice opening our hearts, even when it hurts, especially when it hurts. Mm. Amen. That's the perfect place to leave this podcast. Thank you for that. I love that. And I'm so glad you came on. Amy Chan, where can people find you? Because I want people to be able to stay in touch with you and learn more about you. So could you drop like your social media and like, well, and I'll, I'll link where to buy your book as well on this podcast episode. Um, but can you share your socials and whatever else so people can find you? Uh, so renewbreakupbootcamp.com is my website on Instagram. I'm at Miss Amy Chan and my book, Breakup Bootcamp, The Science of Rewind Your Heart is on Amazon and other bookstores. Uh, 
Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on, Amy. I appreciate you. And I have to have you come back. I'd love to have you back. Relationship expert. We could have people ask you questions. Yeah. That would be so fun. Oh, yeah. This was so fun. You're like, this is like as if I'm like talking to old friend. Like you're you're really great at what you do. I I do so many of these and like this is great. Oh, thanks, Amy. That was sweet of you to say. Well, we're 25 (laughs) episodes in. So hopefully we keep going. Keep going strong, you know. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Low Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. All right. I just got to take a beat. Got to take a moment and just say thank you. Gracias. I appreciate you so much, my low lifers. Can I just say, like, when I started this podcast, I think I had my mom, my dad, and myself, maybe a cousin or two. No, actually, my mom didn't even download my podcast. (laughs) My mom didn't even download my damn podcast. I had probably three listeners. Uh, so now to grow this community of low lifers and you guys have just been so kind and supportive and the best way you show your support is through leaving a five-star rating on Apple podcasts and leaving an actual comment and subscribing. That's the best thing you could do to support an up and coming podcast. And I just want to say it does not go unnoticed. I appreciate you and I'm so respectful of your time and I want to make sure I put on great shows for you guys. I'm freaking loving doing this. And you guys keep this shit show afloat with your support. So thank you so much. And I don't know if there's another podcast that that feels like this. I don't know. I got to talk to other hosts. I, I don't know very many hosts that are in the beginning stages of their podcast. And I say that because I get DMs from you that say, Lo, I'm so happy you had an ad today. <laughs> and I'm like, what? That's so sweet. Like my listeners, I freaking love you so much because you're literally saying like, "Lo, like we're rooting for you. Like you got an ad today. <laughs> like, I, I just like blown away by you guys actually being thankful for an ad because you know, that's how we could actually continue with this podcast. So with your support again, Um, And us getting ads and actually having people excited for the ads, (laughs) that means so much. And I just want to say thank you and give a special shout out because I read every single comment on Apple Podcasts. I try to get to all my DMs. Oh, speaking of DMs. So I don't know what's going on with Instagram, but I have a bunch of DMs that I still haven't gotten to. And I try and make it a priority to respond to people because I want to keep the conversation going with you guys. And I've heard such amazing stories and gotten to know a lot of my listeners And I looked at my message request folder and all of a sudden my message requests are all gone. And I know that's not, I didn't delete them. It's not like all those profiles just disappeared. Like there's a glitch in the system. I hope it gets fixed. But regardless, if you sent me a message and I haven't responded yet and you're like, what the hell, Lo? Uh, That's probably why, because I haven't seen it and I won't see it now because it's gone. Damn it. So um, please reach out to me on Instagram and resend it if you can. That would be awesome. Uh, My Instagram is at style LVR. That's S-T-Y-L-E LVR on the gram. Uh, And we can keep the conversation going there. And again, I love hearing from you and love learning about my listeners. Got to give a special shout out uh, to some of the comments on Apple Podcasts. I freaking love them. By the way, when it comes to leaving a comment, you could write something, you could leave an emoji, freaking thumbs up, a smile face. It really doesn't matter what you write uh, as long as there's comments. So the more, the better. I had My mom was like, I wrote my first comment. She was all excited. I'm like, Queen, you barely wrote a comment right now. She's like, I left two comments for you, which is awesome. So I'll take what I can get. But I just want to do a special shout out to Starfish74. Hey, can I just say the subject of her review is, I'm smiling with my diarrhea with a shit emoji. <laughs> so love this. She writes, 
Lo, you're way cuter in real life than your weird cartoon photo. <laughs> okay, that cartoon photo. I love that cartoon. Um, the guy who drew it for me, he's really sweet. He's Canadian. Okay, anyway, she writes, I just started listening and I love your podcast. This is going to be my new pod jam. So funny, so relatable, so smarty pants. Just a really freaking good listen. Congrats. I don't know you, but I'm super proud of you and totally stoked to binge all your episodes. This is some five-star shit. <laughs> I'm literally smiling with my diarrhea. Starfish74, you little shitty kitty with your diarrhea, writing a freaking review while you sit on the commode. Thank you for that. I appreciate you so much. All right, I want to give another shout out to Sarah King Mama. She writes, low is the friend you knew you needed but didn't know where to find. I'm here. I'm here, Sarah. <laughs> she writes, well, lucky for us, we found him right here on the low show. It's actually the low life, but you know what? That's fine. I'm going to take, you can call it whatever you want at this point. He's our new bestie and we love him. The guests are off the charts. Amazing. But Mama Low Queen is next level. The queen gives advice and provides perspective that is unique, powerful, and raw. She says what you need to hear and gives us a glimpse into how she raised the bestie low to be the incredible man he is today. Oh, that's really sweet. She's going to love this. I love this podcast and I can't wait for more episodes. We love you, Low. Keep it up. We are here and cheering for you every step of the way. Low lifer for freaking life. Sarah King, thank you for that. Uh, my mom needs to come back. If you haven't had a chance to listen to episodes with the queen, it's crazy that my mom, who has no social media imprint, uh, she's just so off the grid and she's my highest downloaded episode. Her, Jason Tardick, um, also, of course, Caitlin, Elliot, people love those episodes. You know, they're highly downloaded, but the queen reigns supreme. Like my mom came out of nowhere, curveball and her episode, specifically the first one on parenting advice and and how I grew up with her and stuff like that. She opens up about a lot of stuff. And anyway, it's a great episode. If you haven't had a chance to hear it, it it's a feel good one. And yeah, I can't wait to have her back. I'm going to have her back very soon. Uh, you guys know how it is with her. It takes so much freaking convincing to get her back on. But that comment, I, I'll send her a screenshot. And then she's like, oh, well, I'll come back for Sarah. <laughs> we have a great episode coming in hot for you next week. But I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Relax. Take a shower with the lights out. Maybe light a couple candles so you don't get freaked out. But let me know if you like the dark shower vibe. And um, maybe watch a nice documentary. I'm going to check out the Tina Turner documentary. I've been wanting to watch it. It's on HBO, but I love me some Tina Turner. My Nana was obsessed with her and I'm a big fan as well. So anything about her life, count me in. So that's on HBO and I'll review it on the podcast. And then I also want to watch Seaspiracy on Netflix. I've been hearing so much buzz about this movie. It's a documentary. I know it's a little bit heavier topic, so I've been putting it off watching it. So I'm like, I got to be in the right headspace for this shit. But again, it's supposed to be great. I'll let you know after I watch it. That's what I'll be doing this weekend. Oh, and I'm having a nice little birthday dinner for my cousin Stephanie. We're about a year apart in age and I'm throwing a little dinner situation for her. So if you're into like floral arrangements, baking, recipes, and all that type of Martha Stewart shit, I'm literally going to be the Mexican Martha Stewart over the weekend. And I'll be posting about it all on the Instagram story so you guys could see how I, because I get so excited. I love like planning like little events and stuff. I can't wait. Like when I have kids, I can't wait to plan their birthdays. They're going to be so over the top and obnoxious. <laughs> but yeah, so I'll be doing that. But I hope you have a great weekend ahead. Have a nice little margarita. Don't forget to drink your water, puta, because I know you're thirsty. 
I love you, and I'm out.